0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in.
1: How are you, Aaron? We are in the second Sunday of Advent, and uh, can I ask you, do you guys do anything special with the candles or, you know, uh, anybody planning anything fancy for, you know, do you do you have do you attach themes to the candles or anything like that
0: um i we actually use these large torches that we make with sticks and we tie oil soaked rags on the end of them and that way the candles won't go out and i can spin around uh and do a lot of kind of drum major kind of twirls and i throw them and catch them and i toss them to the associate rector and he throws them back and there's some juggling that happens and It's pretty great. Some knife throwing, too. We brought that into it as well.
1: Wow, you sound like one of those cool, hip non-denom churches I've been creeping in on. uh, Totally.
0: uh, Yeah, no, we don't, you know, we're going to be mostly live streaming, and, uh, you know, we have a hard time with our outdoor services. Since we're in Texas, we can stay outdoors for a long period of time, uh, unlike you cold New Yorkers. So, Mm. we'll be having outdoor church, I imagine, and... We have a hard time keeping the candles lit, I tell you that, because these uh, prairie <laughs> winds blow through pretty pretty fierce. But for our online services, our live stream, we'll, we'll probably just light them the way we always do. I don't I don't think we do anything special sure. or crazy. What about we, you? Are you shooting a flaming arrow over the advent wreath to light the candle?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, typically, sometimes we've attached like themes or days uh, to each particular Sunday, and uh, but the, really, the point of the Advent wreath is, one, it's, it's surrounded by evergreen, which represents Christ always being there, same today as he was yesterday and will be to come. And then each of the candles represent that light getting a little brighter until we get to Christmas. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, there is significance, but we are now on the second Sunday of Advent. And, uh, you know, as we were talking about in an earlier, uh, earlier um, well, a recording that didn't make it, uh, you know a lot of places that are now currently focusing on Christmas already and uh, yeah. are now like you know you're hearing churches sing all I want for Christmas is you and uh, where are you Christmas and we're hearing um we're hearing wonderful sermons on how on budgets and mm. uh, all of that but that's not happening in uh, in liturgical churches we're focused on still expectation Christ coming you want to say anything about yeah. that
0: yeah, I mean, we got apocalypse now going on while everybody else is walking, watching Hallmark movies, uh, romantic I comedies, don't and want the theme Christmas.
1: A for Christmas. <laughs> there is All just I want one for Christmas. I need. Okay. I can't Mariah. believe they were about to—they were singing that in a church. I just about threw up in my for mouth. G- about Jesus. Oh, I mean, it yeah, was that'll... like basically that was like kind of the illustration, and they were trying to be incredibly culturally relevant. I think I saw that also on Mockingbird, too. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that, you know, yes, yeah, so we are
0: different in, the, in, a, in a liturgical church that follows the lectionary, whether you're Lutheran, Episcopalian, Catholic, or the odd Presbyterian or Methodist. Uh, no, just kidding, you guys. Um, we, uh, we are going to be doing readings that at least first glance have nothing to do with the Christmas season. And even, you know, we're not in the Christmas season. It's Advent. And so, these readings jump around all over the place. We're kind of skipping back and forth in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. We're not reading in order. It's not chronological. It's nothing about shepherds and babies and stars and Mary. And it's just none of that. And uh, it's because Advent, again, is getting ready. It's getting ready for the coming of Christ. And it's uh, reading those Old Testament passages that talked about the Messiah. It's also looking at Jesus talking in the New Testament about when he will come again. And so it's it's a much different kind of flavor, but uh, <laughs> but it's a Craig, good one. To the, quote Craig Mac, so that's um. right. That's right. So we need we need to kind of as uh, to sit in the dark sometimes and to mm. give. I mean, you know, there's sometimes services. Some churches will do a blue Christmas service, uh, borrowing a little bit from uh, Mr. Presley, and. Um, just to acknowledge the fact that there's grief uh, at this time of year for a lot of people, and it's like a special, really sad Christmas service. Uh, we've never done one, but I know of churches that do. But really, what Advent is is to give voice to a lot of that stuff because that is real for lots of people, mm. and it is definitely real this year. Ooh, that's good. And so that's what that's what that's what these readings give you the opportunity to do. It's a little bit countercultural to say while well, the world is looks like Buddy the Elf threw up all over it with uh, uh, you know garlands and. Uh, peppermint lattes and, you know, all this stuff everywhere, there's actually um, real life going on and hard stuff happening, and uh, and Advent speaks a, a word of grace to that. Acknowled- it names the thing, and then it applies the medicine to it, the medicine of the gospel. And by the way, I just have to note, Jake, you, I'm sure, have heard of this, because you live in New York City, but the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree went up, uh-huh. and they found a tiny owl inside it. Ouch. This little owl kind of was stowed away. It's the cutest <laughs> thing ever. But I feel... Like I don't know, I'm I'm feeling that's like the Advent Owl. Like, uh, you know, you're putting up this big, shiny, huge Christmas
1: tree, uh, but uh, and you've there's stripped something this something else going on. And you've uh, stripped this little uh, woodland creature from his family <laughs> and everybody he <laughs> knows. Right. It's a hell of a 2020 for him, but he also <laughs> represents a symbol of death. And so anyway, um, and Yay! darkness. So anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, but uh, you know, and that's we can kick off with the wonderful collect. You know, it's uh, and it really sums up the second Sunday of All Advent. All the collects
0: in Advent are fire, by the mm. way. So, right. anyways, but yeah, read it, Jake.
1: Well, I mean, it's just you know, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for salvation, and that's what Advent is doing in the lit- liturgy. Is we're pulled into the story of Jesus. Uh, he is through his word preparing the way for our salvation, and so, and uh, we are given the grace to heed their warnings. Uh, forsake our sins that we may uh, wake the heck up and greet with joy the coming of Jesus our Redeemer And so yep. um, I would add the wake the heck up so listen to last week's episode But uh, we move in and our readings today are from Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 11 Then we have Second Peter chapter 3 8 through 15a and don't then, you read part B. Don't you dare. It'll mess it all up. Keep it up. to 15A. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. We can't continue to promote our agenda if you read all the way to B. But anyway, and then we have uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. So, uh, we kick off with Isaiah chapter 40. And, uh, you know, there's a lot yeah, of people... Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it was written by uh, Handel. Uh, yeah, that's sort right. Of a fun Abs- fact. It is. And so, and wow, this is actually kind of Christmassy. <laughs> no, but uh, what a lot of people don't understand is, well, some, some people say that there were three authors to Isaiah or whatever, or maybe there was one, whatever. But, I mean, I kind of fall in that line that there was one. I'm an old school guy. Um, but uh, what you see happening here is, is go back and just take a gander at uh, the previous 39 chapters. Give them a a quick view, Um, because this is, you begin to see the preaching style that Aaron and I really emphasize. You see the proper distinction between law and gospel. And uh, basically, um, Isaiah, for the past 39 chapters, has been uh, dropping the hammer of the law on these people. He has been basically putting them on trial, God has put them on trial, God has found them guilty, and uh, they will go into exile. I mean, this is heavy duty. And uh, now there's beginning to make a pivot, and, uh, and this chapter 40 starts uh, with something new. And it says, comfort, oh comfort, so this is doubled, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sin. You know, when the law has been properly preached, then what you can do is apply the comfort of the gospel. And actually, comfort is the word we want to hear.
0: That's right. And this is um, a turning of a corner. It's just saying a new thing's going to happen. And this is an acknowledgement of really hard things that have happened. And now there's going to be kind of a rebirth, a, rebirth, a renewing. Uh, and uh, good tidings are coming. And there's a, there's a do not fear in verse 9. Uh, Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Usually here is your God would be kind of a threat, like daddy's home, you better watch out. But now it's it's, it's do not fear because verse 11, and this is the kicker, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. So this is a picture of Jesus. This is uh, one that comes, the good shepherd who seeks after the one lost sheep and leaves the 99, uh, who, who rejoices to find the lost sheep and bring them home. And this is just something that is, again, so needed. I mean, don't you, uh, listener, um, or just sort of um, putative person out there in the <laughs> congregations that we preach to, uh, don't you want somebody to speak tenderly to you? Mm-hmm. Um, don't you want somebody to give you some relief? Don't you want somebody to um, hold you, carry you uh, in their bosom? Yeah. And that's the picture we get of God here. And that's this is just such a, a beautiful word of comfort. And, yeah. And this uh, is... And I think, yeah.
1: Well, it points directly towards the image of Jesus, you know, and uh, as you said, uh, this finds its fulfillment in Jesus. I think, you know, um, you do get a glimpse here in the the second paragraph, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And how this all works out for you to understand the comfort and for you Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, um, the good news that's found in this passage is that, you know... um, the, the low parts of your life, every valley shall be lifted up, and that is true. The low parts in your life, uh, God is going to lift them up. You know, where you are feeling weak, there He will be strong. Where you're feen- feeling helpless, there He will be your salvation. But the mountains and the hills will be made low, you know, and so those places where you're standing on your own two feet, uh, those suckers yep. are getting kicked right out. And uh, and so you see that kind of in a microcosm right here that preaching of the law and the gospel and uh, that is that is the way of the Lord that's the straight that's the straight uh, highway in the desert and if you've ever yeah. been lost in the desert I'll tell you what. Um, I have. It just kind of hit me. I remember one time, um, so when I was in, um, my first car was a CJ5. I was one of those cool kids. Didn't know really how to drive it for a while, and there's a funny story about me getting it stuck in the desert, and I had to have, like, this girl who was, like, my high school, like, I was... Like in love with this girl, I had to have her help me push push it out of a ditch. Talk about yeah. the talk about the mountain being brought low. But um, yeah, the um, that's another story for another <laughs> podcast. But there was one time I drove out into Jake's the failed desert. failed
0: romances, season one.
1: Yes, that'll be our next podcast. So anyway, yep. and we'll interview the girl, and she was like, "I was scarred. He made me kick dirt all over me." But anyway, we were in the middle of I was in the middle of the desert another time in the middle of the night, and I completely. Got disoriented. I didn't know where mm. was north. I didn't know where was south. And the compass, everything was telling me that that was south. You're going to Mexico, but I felt like it was I was going north. And I like completely um, got myself into a real pickle. That's another story for another time. But the point is, is that in the desert. Jacob
0: Smith, Navigator, Season One.
1: Yes. <laughs> the point is, is that in the desert you don't want multi paths. Everybody's, you there know, you wanting, wanting multi ways. No, we need a path, and this is what he's yeah. going to provide. And this is this is the message of the prophets: the repentance to prepare the way for our salvation.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one other, two. well, two other quick things I want to say is that God comes from the wilderness, that God comes from the difficult places. God works in your life in the parts that are the worst. I think I just watched this amazing documentary called The Most Beautiful Thing, which is a story about um, some high school students in Chicago in the 90s on the west side of Chicago. So this black um, neighborhood that had a lot of gang problems and a lot of poverty and um, really conflicted relationship between the population and the police. And in that environment, they started a rowing team. And it's about now these men who are in their 40s getting together to row again. And one of the things that uh, you see, um, one of the moms of one of these guys talks about going into jail and it was the best thing that ever happened to her because she, it was in jail that she got sober. It was in jail that she... Found Christ. It was in jail that she got her life, kind of on another foundation, and got and it literally saved her life. And that that's what it means to say, out of the wilderness, yes. uh, God comes. And so this is what is going to happen with Jesus. This is we're going to see this in the Mark reading later on in the passage, but or in this uh, Sunday. But uh, th- there is a recognition too. The second thing I want to say is there's a recognition of the frailty of humanity. So. There's, which is to say we're like grass and we, we're, we're here today and gone tomorrow. And that's not supposed to be sort of dark, depressing, Tim Burton movie kind of thing. What that is supposed to be is helping you get over the illusion that so many of the things you're worried about matter because they don't. And this is um, uh, also to get you to the mindset that you realize God's love for you, this one who says comfort, comfort, the one who wants to gather you and hold you or whatever, it's not because you've earned it or deserved it. It's just because of God's nature. That's who he is. And mm-hmm. that's so much better to know than God chooses me because I'm the prettiest flower of the field and I've done all these great things. Because the flip side of that is if you don't do those good things, then what use does God have for you? What this presents is the the brevity and uh, and uh, fleeting nature of life, and yet God loves us completely and wholly and... Will we'll rescue us. So I think those are two other themes you can bring out in here, which I think are a good word uh, in this season.
1: That's great, but Aaron, it just takes so long. I mean, why is God so slow? And uh, why you know... is He so slow? That's the
0: segue <laughs> to Second Peter chapter three, verses eight through fifteen. A and uh, don't yeah, go to B. Is, don't go to B. Don't go to B. Don't go to B. Whatever you do, don't even read part B of verse fifteen. It doesn't exist.
1: So <laughs> it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, so uh, now everybody's going to hit pause and be like, what's what's part B? So uh, this is St. Peter, 2nd Peter, 2nd letter of Peter uh, to a bunch of churches. It's not written to just one church. Uh, And he is talking to them about sort of one of the things we talked about last week, which is something that Paul had to write about to the church in Thessalonica, in Thessalonians. And this fact that Christians were dying before Jesus returned and they were worried about that because they thought he was supposed to be coming back imminently. And so he says to them, look, the a one, one day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. And uh, it just says the the Lord is not slow about his promise as some think mm-hmm. of slowness, but is patient with you. Again, that comfort theme, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. I mean, this is what we see in, in the Old Testament when Abraham is asking God, like, what if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom? Will you destroy it? And God's like, no. What about 40? What about 30? Like God wants to, God is a pushover. God wants everybody to come to repentance. He's mm-hmm. gonna give, he's gonna, just gonna add more time but, to the clock to, well, I, to but let I, people I lo- come to repentance.
1: I love that too, because this is also, about you you know what I mean we're always like you know we read into that like he's patient with those people over there you know what I mean I mean that's immediately where your mind goes but this is this is pointed at you but it's patient with you and not wanting you to perish because he's working things out in your life as well and so uh, you come to repentance I mean uh, that is a very important thing
0: yeah and then we have obviously this description that there will be a return of the Lord it will come like a thief it'll come very quickly. and um, Hate it. And there'll be a sort of a transformation of everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything will be dissolved with fire. So, so there'll be this great revealing of all things. That's what apocalypse means. So this is another one of those apocalyptic passages. Yeah. And he says, and basically Peter is saying, the Lord is coming. We don't know when. We also know that everything that we think is real, back to this grass withering and the flower fading and stuff from Isaiah 40, Everything you think is real and that matters so much actually doesn't and um, everything will kind of fade away. And so, because of that, that gives you a totally new perspective yeah. on life. There's uh, there's on um, the Pete Holmes podcast, somebody talked about one time liking to go on a YouTube and find... Uh, early film from the 19th century you know right after this technology was invented and you can watch these black and white films of just somebody set up a camera it was like the most exciting thing anybody had ever seen was you could just film people walking around in some square in paris or whatever yeah and just watching those films and just thinking to themselves everybody in that film thought what they were doing that day was important <laughs>
1: yeah
0: And just realizing, again, we are like that same. So again, there's this, there's kind of a waking up uh, that everything will be transformed. There'll be, there's going to be, and again, this passage gets to this really great idea, which is important for Christians to know that there's a new heaven and a new earth. We don't. We don't get sucked up to heaven like some sort of "Beam me up Scotty situation. Verse 13, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth. It actually talks about the heavens passing away and
1: all that sort of stuff. So a yeah. lot
0: of apocalypse here, a lot well, of eschatology here, but anyways. And,
1: and, but it also has to deal with like the the moment, you know what I mean? Because gosh, it is taking a long time. You know, I thought, you know, we, we, we thought the train was coming at 310 and now it's coming at a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so pretend to, to Yuma, you know. But I, I, we need to be on that train. And since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of person ought ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting yeah. for the hastening and coming of the day of God? Um, you know the the. So what kind of person? Ought, but. Well, here it is. He gives you the answer because it's really easy in these long stretches as we're waiting for the Lord and as he's working with us and being patient with us um, to want to give up. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been like on a kind of a perma diet that's gone forever and you just give up or Uh if you've ever been in like a relationship with somebody that is just really it is it's tough and you want to give up, you know, and that's how it can be oftentimes with with our faith. And he goes, but in accordance with his promises, what are the promises? Like, well, that um, he has uh, died for you, he's risen for you, and he's coming again for you. Um, And right now, uh, as he's uh, being patient with you, he's interceding on your behalf. We wait for the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home, you know what I mean? It becomes this, in accordance with his promises, this becomes the hope that enables us to sit in the long, long now, if you will. And so while you're waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot mm-hmm. or blemish. This isn't something to do to get in. This is something you do because you're already in. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, is, uh, this is, you know, this is, this is what's happening. And I want to really emphasize that because oftentimes this is preached as a to-do list. But this is, this is to get in, you know what I mean? To make God happy while you're, while he, you're we're waiting for him to come back. But this is what we do right. as a result of being already found in him. This kind of relates to what St. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, where he says, you know, let not sin therefore reign in your uh, mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You know what I mean? This is, this is what life actually looks like while we wait for the return of our Lord. Yep. And to say, therefore, strive to be found by him at peace without spot
0: or blemish, just to kind of you know, piggyback on what you've already said, like that means to hold on to Jesus, not to hold on to your own righteousness, um, because that's the one who makes you to be without spot or blemish, is our Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And the, this verse I love, verse 15, remember? Verse 15a, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. That's right. It's God's attitude towards you is patient because it means he is doing the work in you. He has saved you. He will save you. He is saving you. And he's doing that in his good time. The patience of the Lord is salvation. He doesn't say, regard your good deeds as your salvation or regard your righteousness as salvation. Regard the patience of the Lord as salvation Amen. and know that God is patient with you. And so that's a good word. And and then we get to Mark 1. Yeah, we, still, we, we
1: finally see the first adventus. We see the first revealing that, which the uh, prophet Isaiah had been looking forward to.
0: Yep, so Isaiah 40 is quoted here in Mark 1. So you can point out to your congregation that... This is the fulfillment of that uh, Old Testament passage. And John is the messenger who is crying in the wilderness Get ready because Jesus is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. And um, you see a couple of things uh, that are Advent themes. You see that everybody needs help because it says people from the Judean countryside these are the rednecks, Mm -hmm. the people of Jerusalem these are the elites. They're all going. Red and blue state red and blue, everybody's going and they're getting baptized. And it's not a Christian baptism. This is a baptism of repentance. Uh, other traditions have baptism. Anyways, but the point is they're all confessing their sins, whether they subscribe to Garden and Gun or the New Yorker, whether they subscribe to uh, guns and ammo or the Atlantic, whether <laughs> whether they um, watch CNN or Fox News, everybody's coming, confessing their sins and everybody needs that. And uh, the the message here also is that not only do we need that, that Adventi theme of getting real with ourselves, we also need something more. And mm. John here says, there is somebody more powerful than me. I've gotten you to acknowledge your need and say you're a sinner and um, but, it's actually that's not gonna it's not gonna work. It's mm-hmm. you need something more because you're gonna you're gonna fall off the wagon again. Um, you're you're gonna break your New Year's resolutions. You need one more powerful right. than I. He says, "I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." So mm-hmm. you're that you need somebody to do the work from the inside out, and that's what's coming.
1: Well, that's yeah. I mean, there it is. <laughs> so there it is.
0: That's I mean, that's all she wrote. So uh, this is. This is the good news for people that are waiting. This shows the comfort that's coming, and uh, and the fact that John's message isn't the end means that the law doesn't get the last word because John was the John was the personification of the law. Jesus in Luke seven says that he's the greatest ever to be born among women, uh, kind of in this current situation, but the one who's the least in the in the kingdom of heaven and in, in basically in the Jesus way is greater than john because the gospel is what we need we don't need more john we need more jesus
1: that's right and uh and you know his his baptism is simply a symbol uh but uh when you um when you are baptized with the holy spirit uh you are actually brought uh, not it's not a symbol everyone um you uh, know it's not an outward sign of an inward change it is a literal uh, powerful uh transference from one kingdom Uh, of darkness into a kingdom of light Uh, this Mm. is the assurance the baptism of the Holy Spirit that uh, God is actually patient with you and uh, not only doesn't want you to perish but has saved you from it and so uh, this is what uh, John is pointing to because uh, the law cannot save you and so um, indeed we need another and we're going to begin to see him come up on the scene um, uh, next week That's right. So, preachers,
0: know that your congregation will be grieving, stressed, and anxious as we move through December in this weirdest Christmas season ever, or Advent season ever, and know that you've been given three passages where you can preach comfort and gentleness, patience, and a God who will do in them what they cannot do for themselves. So, give them that word for them and Mm -hmm. for you, and for you, Jake. But, But whatever you do, do not go to 15B. Well, that's all. I mean, if you remember one thing from today, I hope that's what sticks. Do not go to 15B. So, See you next week, people. Bye-bye.